Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. Hello there, I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet will never have enough of, it is nerds that talk about Star Wars. So on this podcast, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. And sometimes what's in between. Always in between. Always in between. <laughs> this is yet another Star Wars podcast. Woo woo! Halfway. We're halfway point. This week, we're coming to terms with our guilt and discussing the newest episode of the Disney Plus series, Ahsoka. The episode is titled Fallen Jedi, which I loved seeing. The episode was written by Dave Filoni and directed by Peter Ramsley, notably one of the directors of Into the Spider-Verse. He's amazing. Anders, can I count on you? Colleen, you know, if you have to ask, you know the answer is no, absolutely not. I will not do what you're, I will not do what you're expecting of me. <laughs> Why did they even say it? Like, just don't talk about it. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to punch it with an episode recap. So we start off, Ahsoka and Sabine are in their ship. They're hiding out and the comms are still down. Hugang goes outside to try and hotwire a fix. He's, he's actually doing a pretty good job, I got to say. Doing great. Mm-hmm. great. And that's always the puppet work is just phenomenal. While Ahsoka, Ahsoka and Sabine just kind of take in all their surroundings. Ahsoka tells Sabine that in her view, if they can't take the map away from the enemy, they may have to destroy it to make sure that nobody can have their hands on it in order to stop Thrawn's return. Sabine is not thrilled because doing that would leave Ezra stranded wherever he is. But reluctantly, she answers Ahsoka's question that, yes, she can count on her. (laughs) I wonder if that'll come up later in the episode, Anders. (laughs) Yes. Over at the reflex plane, Point, Morgan and Balin send their forces after the Jedi. Back inside the ship, Sabine suits up, and this was like the one thing I've been waiting for. Yes. Was Sabine, we see it later, but Sabine in the helmet, dual wielding those pistols. That was like an amazing animated moment come to life. Mm-hmm. That was just perfect, because I don't know why she's very, she's so iconic with those two pistols. That's her During thing. the animated series. Now we just need to see her blow something up. Yes, we need an explosion or a five. Very colorful. Mm-hmm. But she and Ahsoka are continuing their conversation about personal feelings versus duty. Gee, where in Star Wars have we heard about that before? Mm, like all the goddamn time, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, not just in Star Wars, in anything. Pretty like me, much. especially fantasy, sci-fi, anything with a chosen one, you're going to have this conversation. <laughs> exactly. Ahsoka states again, that when the stakes are this high, this idea of following your duty and not your feelings is essential. I Outside, wonder if she's projecting. Hmm. <laughs> maybe just a little bit. Maybe a little bit of guilt going on. Mm. I don't know. Outside the ship, Hu Yang gets in a fight with an HK assassin droid that looks amazing. So cool. It's like including, Rock and Sock and Robots. <laughs> yeah, it's Rock and Sock and Robots, including he gets his like mouth covered. And for some reason, he doesn't have surround sound built in. He's old. (laughs) But he manages to cut off the power inside the ship to alert the others. They rush outside and push back the attackers. But now this is going to take Hu Yang even longer to fix. Yep. Mm, Poor Hu Yang. He's like, God damn it, stop breaking shit. Oh, I I broke it this time. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So we go back to home one. Hera grabs some friends and takes off on the ghost to help Ahsoka and Sabine. To the extreme discomfort of her assistant. <laughs> Hysterical. Just, just make something up. He's like, oh, I'm not good at this. I follow orders. I'm not like you. <laughs> this made me super excited. Mm-hmm. Among the fighters is our old buddy, Carson Tiva. Love you, Appa. <laughs> at the reflex he's point. Basically become, oh. He's basically become the uh, the Wong of Star Wars universe. Yes. The way Wong just he's, pops up in everything. Yes. In he the just MCU. showing up. <laughs> 
I'm not mad. I love I'm not them. Mad at all. I think it's I amazing. want him to keep showing up. Like, yes, please keep Carson Tiva mm. coming. At the reflex point, Morgan activates the map and positions the Eye of Zion in the correct trajectory. This was pretty cool. I thought Very this was a really interesting. I was wondering how they were going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and those droids, they're working on it, man. They're doing the math. They're crunching the numbers. <laughs> Some droids calculate that very complicated hyperspace route. I love a countdown. So it's like, ooh, we got a countdown. I love this kind of shit. In the forest, Ahsoka kills, probably, Merrick after he tries the spinning saber trick. And his body emits a ton of green smoke. And I was like, wicked witch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I was like, well, first of all, Ahsoka is going in for a kill strike. Like, ooh. Honestly, it reminded me of it's Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. One of the characters mm-hmm. is like made of smoke and just constantly like fills the suit up. Yes. this. I don't think this smoke is coming back, though. I don't think so either. <laughs> this possession is over. <laughs> Sabine goes after Hati, losing her helmet in the process, then drawing her lightsaber. She tells Ahsoka to go after the map while she deals with Hati. It's like, huh. Oh. This whole point was like tense. It was so tense and so well done. So good. I loved it. Morgan leaves the ruins before Ahsoka gets there. Ahsoka and Balon have a pointed conversation about Anakin before engaging in a duel. Balon insists that he isn't starting a war, but Thrawn will. And sometimes you have to destroy in order to build. Back in the forest, Hati knocks Sabine down. But you know, Sabine's got some tricks up her sleeve. She reaches up like she's attempting a force push. Yep, all they're all in her sleeves for real. <laughs> Which doesn't work because she is not force sensitive. As Hati laughs because she has no power. <laughs> Sabine uses some Mandalorian weapons to disarm her. Hati uses a smoke bomb to get away. Very ninja. Like super ninja action going on here. Yeah, very ninja turtles. Mm-hmm. Very Batman. Member of the Foot Clan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also very Krieger from Archer. Smoke bomb. Yeah. Smoke bomb. Run, <laughs> run away. <laughs> so Ahsoka manages to grab the map before the coordinates are able to kind of finish calculating, burning her hand in the process. I 100% thought, like, is this going to be a Raiders of the Lost Ark situation later where it's going to be the key is in her hand? <laughs> <laughs> Not even any snow to put it out in. <laughs> yeah, I highly doubt that that's going to be the case. Skull is very mad about this and ultimately drives Ahsoka to the edge of the cliffs. But before he can finish her off, Sabine arrives. Uh, uh, and she manages to get a hold of the map. Yes. We all know what's going to happen here. Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. She's holding her blaster against it and Ahsoka's like, destroy it! But Balin strikes at Ahsoka and pushes, gets her off the cliff, causing her to fall. Gee, I wonder if she's okay. I wonder if the title character was just killed off halfway through. I wonder, wonder if a fall will ever kill anyone in Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe it will. Maybe that's the trick. A lightsaber stab to the stomach won't, but a fall will. It's possible. It's very possible. <laughs> Balin very calmly talks to Sabine, and he points out that he can use this map to help her find her friend. Exactly mm-hmm. what she wants. He promises she won't be hurt. He will protect her, and she can go with them. Mm-hmm. He knows Sabine's family died on Mandalore, resumed during the Great Purge, and Ahsoka didn't come to help. Mm. He won't let her down the way that way, and it works. Sabine reaches out and hands him the map. Mm-hmm. Hadi starts to force choke Sabine, but Balin stops her, honoring his word. He replaces the map. The coordinates are able to be completed. And then Balin uses his lightsaber to destroy the orb. No one else is getting these. Finally a smart villain. (laughs) (laughs) Back on the ship, who I can only imagine will eventually give Ahsoka and Sabine the biggest I told you so later on because he warned them to stay together. Stay together. (laughs) They always work better that way. Mm -hmm. But he gets a message from Hera and tells her where to find the Eye of Scion in orbit. Hera and her team engage the ring in a battle, but Morgan is just not really concerned with them. She is like, no, ignore them. We have the coordinates. We're calculated. Make the jump. The process of the Eye of Scion jumping to hyperspace with the ship so close to it absolutely wrecks 
a couple of the X-Wings and throws the rest. Everyone's in kind of like a weird spiral thing. Mm-hmm. Hu Yang tries to reach Ahsoka and Sabine, but doesn't get any replies. Mm. Jason tells his mother that he has a tummy ache. Uh, he's got a really <laughs> bad feeling about this. This could be a really bad tummy ache, everyone. <laughs> For real. Whew. At the episode's closing... We get an aerial shot off of the cliffs at the reflex point, panning over to Ahsoka. She is now laying in a dark void on a blue bridge made of light. She Beautiful. Gets up. Oh, it's stunning. I, I immediately screamed. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Rebels, Rebels keeps coming back. She gets up, looking around, and you can tell like she knows. She knows where she is. When a voice behind says, hello, Snips. I cried. <laughs> it's fine. The tears were coming. <laughs> it was already emotional from seeing World Between Worlds, but then that voice, those words, I was like, nope, 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 I'm done. I had to pause for a minute. She turns around and sees the form of her old master, Anakin Skywalker, standing before her. Like, I didn't think I'd be seeing you now. Hmm. Interesting words. Very interesting. Fantastic looking Anakin. (laughs) God, he did not look that good. He he looked terrible, which is why I think we're going to talk about this later with theories and such. But for real, he doesn't look good. And I think there's a reason why he doesn't look good. But we'll talk about that later. Yes. First, Colleen, other than your tears, what'd you think? I really enjoyed this one. I had lots of fun. There was plenty of intrigue. The tension was perfect. The entire fight was in the forest. Like the push-pull of all of the different battles that were going on was fantastic. Love seeing Huyang throwing hands at anyone. I wasn't sure. I was like, ooh, can he fight? I know he can do like lightsaber training sparring, but he can actually fight. Mm-hmm. And I loved the setting. Those freaking fake maple trees. I'm like, yes, give me it. Um, I do miss Ray Stevenson more, though, after seeing this episode especially if Balon is supposed to return in any new like season or if he's supposed to be in the movie um without him i i'm they would have to recast but i don't know who could pull this off with his like know. gravitas that he's bringing to this like he seems so tired but also just very set on his path like i've lived through like over 20 years after order 66 of being afraid. And I don't want to be afraid anymore. He's like, I'm taking the path that I think will save everybody. You know who might be able to do it, honestly. And I'm just going to throw this out there as a prediction now, Ray Winstone. Oh, he would be really good. And I'm honestly, and I'm honestly, I'm basing that on one simple fact. And that is my initial exposure to Ray Stevenson was actually in the uh, Clive Owen King Arthur movie. Oh, where yeah. he is one of the knights, and so is Ray Winstone. And honestly, I very, well, the first couple times I saw the movie, I got the confused. That's okay. <laughs> I, I they the they are very they're similar, and he does have a really nice, strong presence. I think he would be a good recast if they have to do mm-hmm. that. Um, mostly, I'm just loving. I'm going to get massacred for by some people for this. I love the idea of the gray Jedi, and that it's being pushed <laughs> pushed in this direction by this show. Because Balin is, he's not really a Jedi, but he's also, he's not a Sith. Like, he's not a Sith Lord. And the idea of really having only Jedi or Sith would be that kind of absolute duality that Star Wars does not like to deal with. (laughs) I like the Shades of Grey. Yeah, you know who he's actually starting to remind me of with some Mm -hmm. of his comments from this week? Mm -hmm. Is he's he's a much saner, he's not, he's not completely psychotic and off the rails, Joris Kaboth. Kaboth, yeah, Kaboth. However you say it, the mm-hmm. character from the original Heir to the Empire novels, he's that. Do you mean the, the clone or the real one? I mean, I mean the both, clone. They're both pretty nuts. <laughs> I mean the clone who thinks that he's going to use Thrawn yeah. to ultimately kind of remake the galaxy in his own image. Yes. You know who's really wrong about that? Joris. <laughs> and Thrawn. <laughs> and Thrawn. Yeah, that is a partnership that after reading Outbound Flight, Thrawn really should have just stayed away from that. <laughs> like, this is just not a good idea. Still he haven't read been. Outbound Flight. Oh, God, it's one of my favorites. Outbound Flight, everyone. 
please read it. It's Legends, but there is so much of it in canon now, and it's young, idealistic Thrawn. So it's an interesting read to get this, like, cocky, young Thrawn being like, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> in a different way than he is when he's older, saying I'm awesome, because he's still the same thing. <laughs> it was a beautiful plan. It was. It was beautifully, it was so artfully done. <laughs> what did you think, though, Anders, about this episode? I mean, this episode was the shit. It, this was this was so good. I still think we could have potentially combined this in last week mm. and just had like a full a full hour and give the plot some more some more places to go as we head into the back half of the season. But that's a pretty small complaint. Yes. I think this one was great. All the fight scenes were were amazing. They felt really tactile. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, that's something that you know I've talked about before. I think that's something that's missing is like an energy to these to these fights and i felt like weight behind all of the all of the moves Mm -hmm. i loved uh see i loved seeing sabine pull out the tricks yes that's her like that's That's she used it on ezra she's used it on kaden before like this is just who sabine is if she's not force sensitive she needs to rely on herself (laughs) yes i did i did have a small flashback so um it's Hati that says, like, you'll regret this yeah. at some point. So, as I told you earlier today, I am powering my way through all of, like, Rick Reardon's books, mm-hmm. all of the Percy Jackson's, all of the mm-hmm. sequence, subsequent ones, whatever. And you there's a great prepared. <laughs> there's a great moment <laughs> where one of the gods is telling one of the characters, like, like, uh, you know, I could have killed you at any point, right? Like, mm. but, you know, I've let you live this far just so I can toy with you. And the response that, like, the teenage girl gives is, you will regret letting me live. Yes. Badass. <laughs> Amazing. No notes. <laughs> yes. But this was, yeah, this episode was great. And then the ending, just to see it, I, I loved the styling of that bridge. Mm-hmm. I do, too. I Which thought that really, was really cool. so beautiful. Um, I, do, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think that Anakin looked like shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, the de-aging, however, I don't know why they're doing it. We'll speculate on that later. It didn't look good. I agree. It straight up it didn't. It did not look good. Especially when we saw like all those fight sequences that looked amazing. Like with their different styles. Like I liked how one of our friends pointed out that Ahsoka wasn't using two sabers. She was using one. She also wasn't using reverse grip. Like there are reasons for this kind of choice. And she was kind of wielding the saber, maybe how Anakin might have. There was a little bit of Obi-Wan in there. Um, Balon's stance was very Mm Qui-Gon. So I think she was shifting stances to deal with the different um, saber techniques. But it was weird to see her without two sabers. So it's almost like she's regressed to the Snips persona. Because she learns how to wield two, but like season three or four of Clone Wars. And we have only seen her now with two. So I was very, I was like, okay, what are they doing here? What is Dave Filoni trying to say with this choice? And I like that he's thinking about this. Like Dave Filoni is always thinking about the lore and the characters, especially Ahsoka. And I'm like, ooh, what have we got here, Dave Filoni? What are you cooking up? What What are we doing here? I love that. Love that about this show. Yes. So let's let's just dive right in. Let's keep talking about Ahsoka mm-hmm. because we get a lot more character work for her this episode. This episode, it balance. The other thing that's great about it is it balanced these amazing one-on-one fights, action sequences with such great character work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the first three, Ahsoka's been very stoic. She's occasionally kind of frustrated, but here we see her angry. She's mad when (laughs) when Balin brings up Anakin and she is, you can just feel the rage coming off of her and it causes her to make a few mistakes Mm -hmm. and she's unable to contain her regret for leaving Anakin during the Clone Wars. You can almost see it when she's in that world between worlds and she says his name. She sounds like a child. Yep. She sounds like a small child, like saying like Dada. Yeah. This is her like 14 year old Padawan self. Yeah. 
and we get a little bit more insight into her troubled relationship with Sabine. What went down on Mandalore? Sabine, were they... We've never known, was Sabine on Mandalore during the purge? We don't know. Did Ahsoka keep her from going to help? Or did Sabine leave to help and Ahsoka's like, I can't follow you? Right. I mean, if I were Ahsoka in that situation, the last time she tried to help Mandalore, it didn't exactly, didn't exactly pan out. Wasn't great. <laughs> was it wasn't the actually it did it it, it, it did okay. in the short term pan okay. out for Mandalore, mm-hmm. but it, it it was not the it was not the uh, most positive experience for Ahsoka. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> it did not end on a very happy note for anyone. <laughs> no, at the end of the club. Um, speaking of Sabine, um, we did like this kind of push pull of the Ahsoka versus Ezra counting on Sabine. Ahsoka's like, can I count on you? And some of Ezra's last words to Sabine were about, I know I can count on you. Right. And, and I thought it was really significant. They, that was a line mm-hmm. that they basically recycled because we get yeah. that from Ezra in his holographic message to like the mm-hmm. whole ghost crew. Yeah. He looks at Sabine and says, you know, I know I can count on you. Mm-hmm. And then on this personal message that was introduced in this series, that's just for Sabine, he says it again. Like, I know I can count on you. I'm counting yes. on you. Mm-hmm. So it gets that extra layer to Sabine's choices in this episode. I've seen a lot of people online be very angry with Sabine about this choice. And first of all, this is a plot like a plot point, it's going to happen. Like to push the story forward, we need characters to make this kind of decision. And it's not coming out of nowhere. Like this is a very in-character decision for Sabine to make. She's not a Jedi. I'll also say this. If you have watched Rebels, like, and again, you don't have to. No. But if you do, it's incredible storytelling. It's done very well, but about 75 to 80% of the plot lines in Rebels involve character has to sacrifice themselves by getting captured. Mm-hmm. And then the next move the rest of the crew makes is to sacrifice themselves to rescue that person. Yep. <laughs> and so this is just Sabine like executing the, the second half of the plan. Like yep. Ezra sacrificed himself by going off with Thrawn to who knows where. And now Sabine has to sacrifice herself to save him. It's a very in-character thing for her to have done. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for a crew that really prided itself on never leaving anyone behind, the idea that Ezra's been out there for this long has got it. I mean, we see it's been eating at her. Very much so. I mean, Balin kind of shoves it in her face, being like, he's the only family you have left. Like, yes, if if her entire family was killed on Mandalore, that's her dad, her mom, and her older brother. It makes so much more sense that Sabine would do anything to find Ezra at this point, since he's all that she thinks she has left. Like, the ghost crew are her family, but she's not in constant contact with them anymore. They were all living on the same ship for so long. And now Hera Chop and even Zeb are working for the New Republic, they're busy. She's not seeing them. She's alone on Lothal, living with this regret. I mean, it's been like nine, ten years since Ezra's gone. And it's like, all she wants to do is bring her friend, her family member back home. And it's like, yes, this is totally coming from a familiar place. The mm-hmm. ghost crew breaks rules and does not follow orders. <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a second with another character. But I did want to ask Anders, what do you think of Sabine's choice not to destroy the map? It kind of looked like she might. She, she was definitely really on the verge. She mm-hmm. was on the verge, but I think after she lost Ahsoka, mm-hmm. or at least she thinks she might have lost Ahsoka in that right. moment, she just feels alone. And I mean, this is a classic temptation moment. Anakin mm-hmm. fell for it, and now Sabine has. Yeah. Like, and again, going back, this is this is an Ezra move too. Yeah, totally. Ezra, <laughs> no, we can totally trust Maul. It's fine. Yeah. I know you guys don't trust him, but he has what I need, and we have to team up with him. I mean, this is a it's poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> it po- it is. Right. I mean, and Balon isn't a psychopath. 
So he's very, very, well, I mean, we don't know yet, but (laughs) he's very persuasive. He's different than he can pour the honey. He's calm. He doesn't just pull it from her. He. This is the ultimate form of manipulation. I guess we're Mm -hmm. stepping on Balin here for a minute, but the ultimate form of manipulation is he doesn't take it from her. He convinces her to give it to him. Right. Mm -hmm. Crafty. We we love a villain with an IQ over 40, everyone. We really love to see it. I think Flo said it. She thinks it happened a little too quickly, which I kind I can I can see that as a critique. But I'm, you only have so much time. Yeah, trying to we're trying to push things along here. Right, that's just <laughs> plot reasons. Yeah, if it were a book, it would have taken longer. We would have gotten inner dialogue from Sabine for like possibly three pages. Yes. <laughs> All right, moving on though to our girl Hera. Never one to follow orders blindly, even though mm-hmm. she was always the one who was the most likely to follow orders because she was the one who actually had them. Yes. <laughs> Hera breaks away from the fleet to follow Ahsoka and Sabine to Sitos. This is mm-hmm. so in character for her. Again, you got to go rescue the family members. Yeah. They're stupid. They left on their own. Got to go get them. <laughs> Someone online uh, saw asked why Hera would bring Jason with her, considering they were potentially going somewhere dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the answer to this, on the one hand, we need to remember that most places in the galaxy are not safe. Nope. <laughs> Everyone's still recovering from Imperial rule and getting used to the idea of the New Republic. I mean, Hera could have left Jason with her dad on Ryloth. Just Cham is not known for being a very responsible babysitter. She does leave him on there for several extended periods of time. Yeah. But generally, he goes where mom goes. The the ship is their real home. Also, mm-hmm. if I were about to break out uh, of a giant military base where there are definitely people who are probably scheming against me, I'm not going to leave my child there to be used as a pawn later. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Taking him and the murder bot with. <laughs> exactly. But she doesn't go alone. They don't go alone. No, nope, we're always together. We're a family. Yep. And he's old enough, let's face it. He would have been yeah, at like point. at the Jedi Academy, probably like almost being sent on missions as a Padawan at this point. <laughs> yeah. He would have been a danger anyway. But Colleen, they have an escort. We already mentioned him. Who is it? Captain Tiva. I love him so much. <laughs> the instant I saw though, my sweet little Appa, I texted Anders and Daniels and said that they had better not kill him off in this episode. <laughs> I saw him and was like, Dave Filoni, I swear if you kill him, <laughs> my sweet, precious Captain Tiva in this episode, there will be angry letters. Um, he did survive the Eye of Science jump into hyperspace, which was like, you might die later, but that's, mm. I still have the feeling that he's doomed. But for now, his loyalty to Hera is like stone cold. Love to see it. I love that they're all connected in this He's way. He's not doomed. There's no way. He has to carry the Rangers of the New Republic series because Cara Dune got fired. If they ever make it, yes. I'm hoping that he is slated for that role. So with Dave Filoni, do not kill Appa. <laughs> we need him. <laughs> you know who he can kill off though, Anders? Who do we have next? Well, he can definitely kill off Morgan at some point. Yes. Mm-hmm. The one other thing I'll say about uh, Carson Tiva mm-hmm. is I love seeing him as a similar character to Hera, a character who is willing to do, like, he can tell that this is the right thing. Yeah. He's not just blindly like, oh, Hera told me to do something. Sure. It's like, mm, this is important. Mm-hmm. Well, he knows there's like some crazy shit going on in the galaxy. Yeah. All right. Morgan. Very cool customer. She's so calm mm-hmm. and she's got that little sneer going the whole time the slightly kind of hunched back because she's looking at all the screens and whew, mm-hmm. it's, it's like their escape was a foregone conclusion the whole time like she was yeah. never deterred nope. from this she is so determined to reach Thrawn any other outcome is just impossible yep. it's unthinkable inconceivable, in inconceivable. <laughs> I don't like that movie <laughs> gonna keep bringing it up yeah I know <laughs> Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens between Morgan and Sabine on the way. I also her and Balin mm-hmm. on the way out there, like to see what sort of conversations that those characters could potentially have. Sabine especially knows about Night Sister magic, 
Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. She has had a very negative experience with that green Super smoke <laughs> and the green fire. <laughs> Super bad. Everyone was traumatized by that and that episode. Oh my gosh. But you know who else is really calm as fuck, Anders? Balon. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, the villains are so chill here. We're used to the, like, mustache swirlers like Palpy or the big bad drama kings like Vader and Maul. So it's really fun to get villains who actually know what the hell they're doing and have the brains and the abilities to accomplish pretty much every one of their goals so far. Balin easily dismantles Ahsoka. Like, he gets her inner turmoil and just picks at it until oh, she yeah. makes mistakes. And I love that. And I love that he's also willing, like, able to pick up on Sabine's feelings pretty much immediately. Like, he's very well informed, but he's also this master manipulator. How is he so informed? That's, that's the other just, question. That's just it. I don't know. And it makes me wonder if he has access to some sort of remaining Jedi archives, or he's just been really up on the news of the New Republic. <laughs> like, I guess he could have been. He's like scanning. Is he like secretly Luthen's cousin? Oh, God, that'd be hysterical if he had connections to Luthen. <laughs> I would love this. I would love this so much. Um, I want to know why he thinks Thrawn is the better option. Like, Okay, so here's my theory on this. Mm-hmm. I think, again, giving him this kind of um, Jorus, Jorus vibe, Zoth yeah. vibe, <laughs> that I think he wants, he wants to tear it all down. Mm-hmm. He wants to tear everything down because he says he's not about to start a war, but Thrawn will. Thrawn yeah. will start a war. And hes I think he's hoping that Thrawn starts a war, everything burns down, and he gets to rebuild from the ashes himself. Mm. Everyone else takes themselves out, and he's the one left standing to remake the galaxy in his image. Uh-oh. That was the vibe I was getting off of him. <laughs> and yeah, Joris is very much like that. And he yeah. talks a lot about power and seeking power in the Heir to the Empire trilogy. So it's a, it's a good comp. I think we can definitely see some more monologues coming from Ray, uh, Ray Stevenson, and I'm not mad about it at all. Nope, not at all. <laughs> he has this, he's just there. He's got that poise to pull it off. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. How about our other villain, though, Anders? <laughs> she doesn't have as much, not have as much poise. Hattie <laughs> is just such a hothead. She's not like Morgan and Balin. She is pissed when mm-hmm. Sabine tricks her and almost kills Sabine yeah. with that force choke. I was actually wondering at one point, like, I mean, she obviously was skilled with a lightsaber, but I was like, have we ever, have we really seen her do any like force stuff? Just up like until throwing this shit point? around. Just like a couple of small throws. And I was kind of like, I wonder if she's not as skilled. I wonder if she's just not as powerful. And that's one of the reasons she like lords it over Sabine, that Sabine has no power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I do. It's just pneumatic. It's not. <laughs> it's just my badassery. <laughs> yeah. And even when Balin orders her to stand down and she ignores him for a second. Mm-hmm. It was like, ooh, she's going to get in trouble She's got later. some blind rage. Mm-hmm. Now, will she and Sabine get the chance to chat? They're they are on presumably a very long road trip. Yeah. Who else are you going to talk to? Yeah. Hearing the differences in Balin's and Ahsoka's teaching methods would be really interesting to see if we got a good scene of the two of them training together. That'd be so Balin. fun. If Balon was like, you two are going to spar now. <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> I would like to get like that kind of insight. Yeah. And that's what I expect from Dave Filoni. Because he, you know he has like notebooks full of backstory on these characters. Absolutely. Let's, let's bring some of it out. You know who we don't need very much backstory on, though? <laughs> Poor Maroc. <laughs> Poor Maroc. Poor uh, theories about Maroc. <laughs> yeah, so many theories. All just Dave Filoni's like, nope, fuck you. <laughs> He's not anyone. <laughs> He's just possessed. Um, so in Rebels, Darth Maul, no longer Darth, just Maul, brings Ezra to Dathomir, which was his home planet and the home planet of the Night Sisters and the Night Brothers. He wants to use the Night Sister magics to bring his and Ezra's desperate minds together to kind of find out where Obi Wan Kenobi is. Please watch Rebels. This is so good. <laughs> Sabine and Kanan follow them and are possessed by Night Sister ghosts. With that signature green smoke that we saw the, pouring out of Mar- the Marek. green smoke 
everywhere and it is so creepy they move like spiders it is some weird shit that gets up in the animated stuff so we have seen this kind of body manipulation before it looks like morgan used her powers to possess merrick's body whether intentionally or without his permission (laughs) whether he was alive or not at the time he could have been necromanced he could have been just a body because we saw with Maul's brother, Savage Press, even with Maul getting enhanced by this yeah. like Night Sister magic. Mm-hmm. That's what gives Maul his new legs. Yep. But one of the things that I thought was really cool about this, not only, I mean, it does seem that he was just, he was an inquisitor that was mm-hmm. possessed by this magic. Yeah. And now he's gone. But if you didn't know any of that, it's like, oh, he's like some kind of a some kind of an alien creature or something that has like smoke or whatever. Huh, that seems cool. And you don't have to know you don't have to know all about the magic stuff. That's true. Once again, you don't have to have watched Rebels to enjoy this show. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you know this backstory, you know you kind of pick up on that and it's just a really cool detail. I also think the idea that he was possessed makes a really interesting um explanation for the way his voice sounds, like the one time we've heard him speak. It sounded like it was going through some kind of a modulator, but maybe it was because that there were like several voices coming out all at once. Yes. Very, very cool. So creepy. <laughs> very creepy. So creepy, but I mean, get after it, Morgan. <laughs> all right. Now we are going to head into our homages, Easter eggs, connections, callbacks. Several of them happening this week. Many. Let's start off as we like to do with that title, Fallen Jedi. And this could refer to just about any of the characters that we have here. Mm -hmm. So Ahsoka (laughs) left the Jedi Order before she completed her training. She was very justified in doing so, given the way they treated her. She is also absolutely, she quite literally takes a tumble, takes a fall this episode. And she's admitted to doing some pretty shady stuff when gathering intelligence earlier this season. Balin isn't technically a Jedi anymore either, and he's definitely started to embrace the dark side. Shin never really was a Jedi, but she's still at least partially on the path. She's got that Padawan braid, Mm -hmm. but she's also definitely embracing the dark side. Sabine isn't really a Jedi, but she falls, metaphorically, this episode by failing to destroy that map and joining with the enemy. Whoopsies. (laughs) Whoopsies. <laughs> Even if you're kind of like spying, it's still, it does not look good necessarily. Ahsoka's going to like get back up there on top of the cliff and be like, what the hell? <laughs> Sabine, I gave you one job. One job. Just one. We talked about it like almost the entire episode. <laughs> and he didn't do it. Okay. I stand with Next. Sabine. I know. I, I think she's right. We need to see Ezra and Thrawn. Sorry, Ahsoka, but... I want to see those boys. (laughs) Been waiting to see them for a really long time. Okay, speaking of one of those boys, next we have the heir to the Empire. Ahsoka said the thing! She said the thing! (laughs) The title of Timothy Zahn's first Star Wars book from 1991, The Heir to the Empire, is a Legends title. Technically, it's not canon. In those books, the heir wasn't necessarily Thrawn. There were a couple other people that it could have been. But Ahsoka uses it here to directly reference him. So at this point, Thrawn is the heir to the Empire. The presumed heir to the Empire. Presumed. Presumptive heir. (laughs) All right. We also have, we see the ghost in live action. We hadn't seen it yet, but we finally get to see it. This is the ship that is the kind of main consistent setting for Rebels. Mm -hmm. It's Hera's personal ship. um, And we love it. We absolutely love it. I'm sorry that Daniel's not here so he can gush over it. I know. Next episode. <laughs> Technically, it did show up in um, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. And it's been said that it was at uh, Scarif during Rogue, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But if there's a ship in Star Wars that can truly be called a home, it was a ghost. <laughs> and we already talked about uh, Carson Teva. But we also get a glimpse of a character named Lieutenant Landor. He's one of the X-Wing pilots that escorts Hera. And he is actually played by Brendan Wayne, who is a Star Wars, current Star Wars staple, although you probably have never seen his face. That is because he is one of the onset doubles for The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. 
when Pedro Pascal is just providing the voice because he is busy filming The Last of Us. <laughs> Pedro's busy, everyone. <laughs> Pedro's busy. So Brendan is one of the two main doubles who actually does the acting on set. Which is really cool. We actually get to see his face now. Yeah. I like that. And know what else I like? Phoenix leader shout out. <laughs> Heck yes. Harris fighter pilot group during the war with the Empire was called Phoenix Squadron. Hera was the leader of that group. So we love hearing Captain Chiva call her this. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> I actually wondered if they were going to say it. I know. I was wondering if they were going to do that or Spectre one. You guys can't see it right now. Colleen is crying again. Don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else might cry, Colleen? And that would be Jason Sindula because he has a bad feeling. Uh, he sounds a lot more worried than some other characters that say this throughout Star Wars. It sounds really ominous coming from such a little kid. He's like looking up at his mom. He's crunching his, he's clutching his stomach. And especially because he is almost definitely force sensitive that if he's got a bad feeling beyond just the normal bad feeling that I think you would have in this situation. That's definitely something that we should be paying attention to. I have concerns. <laughs> <laughs> I do have concerns. Um, one thing I'm not concerned about, though, there is a picture of Kanan Jarrus in the ghost. Hera has this kind of blink and you'll miss it moment where you see you, the picture. If we didn't have the internet today, <laughs> yeah. we would never have known that this was there. No, if we people were not able to pause this and go frame by frame and clip it yeah. and post it to the internet, we would have no idea this was there. No, it's um kind of like a lot of like in real life fighter pilots will have pictures of their loved ones in their sh- in their their planes i should say i guess not their ships but this was fantastic i loved seeing this. <laughs> like on the ghost dashboard just kanan just chilling uh we hope he gets a mention soon it'd be weird if no one ever says his name during the show and anders and i agree on this we do not think this is freddie prince jr who no. was the voice of kanan on rebels it is way too blurry. They would have definitely made it clearer if they got him to suit up for this. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. has gone on record as saying, like, he's done with Kanan. He's like, Kanan's dead. We do not need to continue finding excuses for me to come back and be him or do him. Like, no. Whatever, Freddy. I actually thought it was kind of funny. It reminded me when people are like, oh, my God, did Freddy do it? I was like, I highly doubt Freddy Prince Jr. did that. It brought me to uh, Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> which in the opening scene she, the the character is watching she's all that but they didn't mm-hmm. actually have the rights to that movie so they got they hired a couple of lookalikes to act out the like closing scene from she's all that and made it blurry on the tv screen so you wouldn't notice <laughs> i love everything about that <laughs> i know <laughs> uh also worth noting that it was a it's a paper photograph yeah mm-hmm which what is I it didn't... called, like Pampas Slip or something? I don't know. I was going to say, have we actually seen these anytime? There are books, so it's it makes sense that there might be pictures. Yeah, and, that's true. Or maybe Sabine drew it. We don't know. It was a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have the fight in the forest. And this kind of reminded us of Ray, Kylo's fight with Ray and Finn in Force Awakens in the woods. The, the red also made me think of his uh, opening Mustafar fight. In Rise of Skywalker. It's a great natural setting. This forest was perfect. It was so beautiful. And just those vibrant reds, those Mm -hmm. deep colors were so, so cool looking. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome to see Sabine using her surroundings and her Mandalorian weapons alongside her lightsaber. Like, this is what she's good at. We want to see more. Mm -hmm. Want to see more of this kind of stuff. I want to see her get out of those cuffs really quick and just be like, yeah, this is your joke. Yeah. This can't hold me. <laughs> I really want her to t- like her to tell them that they- her name is Jabba the Hutt also. <laughs> Even though they already know her name. Exactly. I still want that. I want at some point for her to say it like she's Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> or, oh, that could be a thing. Like, she gets on the radio and is like, Ezra, if you're out there, please respond. And he sends mm-hmm. like, this is Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'd be so here for that. <laughs> I would love that. I don't know who this Ezra is, but this is Lando Calrissian. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, there he is. Yep. <laughs> found him. I found Ezra. Okay, next, uh, Lord of the Rings much? The end of this episode <laughs> with the face-off on the cliff, the whole destroy it is Hildor energy <laughs> coming from Ahsoka. Um, 
it was very very well done very dramatic like i did love seeing rosario finally get to like emote yes we've been waiting because she is a very expressive actress and we want to see ahsoka get mad we want to see her be snips like more of her her younger self (laughs) and doing this kind of thing where it's like please please for the love (laughs) of everything in the forest (laughs) destroy this map so that they cannot find thrawn and Sabine would know better than Ahsoka that Thrawn would be a huge threat. And yet she still is like, Yana. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Isildur in Mount Doom. Yes. Nope, I am not going to throw this into the fire. <laughs> but there wouldn't be a plot if she did. Exactly. She has to Gandalf her way off a cliff throughout and outside of time and space. Exactly. It's coming. <laughs> Next up, you know, Colleen, we've mentioned Rise of Skywalker multiple times on this pod, so it's time to mm-hmm. reference a much better movie, and that would be The Last Jedi. Yes. <laughs> Where here we have what I'm calling the not hold them maneuver. So Rise or yeah. Last Jedi. Admiral Holdo pulls the maneuver where she destroys the ships by ramming them in hyperspace. That is not what they're doing here with the IFS Ion, but you they are somewhat utilizing kind of the hyperspace wake. And the fact, I feel like the fact that they are going faster than most regular hyperspace engines is this because, I mean, we've seen people jump into hyperspace from many places and not seemingly not disturb the space around them. Right. Except that one time that uh, Han did it from inside a shuttle bay. Yeah, that's not a good idea either. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a good idea. But it was a really cool, it was a really cool effect. I like the idea of the hyperspace kind of the wake. Mm-hmm. causing that disturbance yeah everybody just is spiraling and of course Hera's an amazing pilot so she really didn't have to do too much to get out of this spin but it was scary like seeing all of the x-wings like flying into each other i'm like no captain Tiva, <laughs> pull out of the dive pull out of the dive and he did so that was fine i do like that they make it something that actually affects things around it because a lot of time in star wars things explode and they're fine i'm looking at you mandalorian (laughs) (laughs) things explode and everything's fine somehow here everything is not fine like Hera has plot armor for sure but still this is scary yeah just the immense power of that ship and who has it like mm, thank goodness we have sabine the sleeper agent in there (laughs) <laughs> what can what can go wrong uh speaking of what can go wrong we have anakin motherfucking skywalker just messing things up all over the place um did i start crying when a certain voice said snips yep not ashamed to admit that i did completely started crying but my tears dried up real quick when i realized that the music was john williams's vader theme playing I was like, oh no, (laughs) that's not the good music. (laughs) That's the scary music. Um, Anders thinks that this is definitely not Forest Ghost Anakin for now because it looks so fake. I think that this is a trick in some way. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a trick of the force, a trick of Ahsoka's mind because he just looks vinyl <laughs> like his was... eyes were like weird and they were like yes. not positioned mm-hmm. in the right place and the he's skin shiny. just really bad yes he looks like they a have, doll. they have plenty of footage to recreate him mm-hmm. in that way or dh him the way they do with mark hamill like yes well even in kenobi they like de-aged him very well i thought they didn't they basically didn't Oh, that's true. He they did didn't really make him look, look younger. He, they just maybe did like a couple of touch-ups on yeah. maybe like some wrinkles on the face, but like they basically didn't de-age him. And I thought he looks I great. Thought the reaction to that was pretty positive. Was the kind of like, oh, thank God you didn't try and do the the digital de age. So we so, think Dave Filoni's like <laughs> cackling in the background. Somewhere. Right. This is my my uh, my thought on this is that this is like in um, if you did see the Flash. And there is that ending sequence in the kind of multiverse with all of the digital recreations of various mm. 
characters and the director insists that it's on purpose because it's supposed to be kind of otherworldly i'm like okay i'm I'm gonna go with that explanation that this has to be like some this has to be kind of like not real or otherworldly and that's why it looks so bad exactly exactly um the idea that this is kind of like vader in disguise is also pushed forward by the fact that this anakin has the vader saber he does not have Anakin Skywalker's saber. Have we confirmed that? I've, I've seen conflicting reports on that. I thought it looked like Vader's saber, but my mm. eyes are not the best. I'm old. <laughs> and my eyes are terrible. I thought it looked like Vader's saber. And okay. I think that would be kind of cool if they ended up having to duel. And like, if he like whips out his lightsaber and it's red instead of blue and she's like, oh shit. <laughs> this is not who I thought I was talking to. Um there are a ton of theories floating around about this, whether it's Force Ghost Anakin, fake Anakin. I like the idea that this might not even be the real world between worlds, but it could be like Ahsoka's own kind of mind palace where she's trying to work through her guilt and remorse about abandoning Anakin and abandoning the Jedi Order altogether. Like she might have to fight him. This is like an intense therapy session. Yes. <laughs> With either the world between worlds, the Force being real and making her do this because Ezra had to go through a test like this in the world between worlds as well. It could be that like, she's kind of fallen into this nether space where she's not dead and she's not alive. That would be cool. You had another theory too, Anders, that I thought was really interesting about who this is. Yes, it could be. So I think, well, first, before we get into that theory, I think Mm -hmm. let's actually talk just for a second about where they are because you said it might not be the world between the worlds it could be her mind palace just a quick primer on what is the world between worlds right Mm -hmm. it is some kind of space that connects everything and every time it is seen in rebels it's these connected pathways with all of these specific moments in time that are these portals back to these specific moments these windows now I actually I I have to go back and rewatch again, but I didn't really see any doorways in this one. I didn't see no. any portals off of these paths, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like where did the Anakin come from? <laughs> right, where did the Anakin come from? Ahsoka, her experience here is that in at, during Twilight of the Apprentice, the season two finale of Rebels, where she is facing off against Vader on Malachor. It's Malachor, right? That's the name of that mm-hmm. planet. Mm -hmm. Um, Ezra in the end of season four of Rebels revisits that moment via the world between worlds pulls her out of the moment where she would have died Mm -hmm. and then ultimately puts her back kind of in the same in the same instant just about the same instant enough to save her life but yeah Vader's gone at that point but Vader's gone at that point now that jived with everything because actually at the end of Twilight of the Apprentice the the temple where they had been was destroyed Vader scene kind of staggering out and the episode actually closes on a pretty clear image of Ahsoka walking around. Yeah. Watch Rebels. <laughs> yeah. Ezra also has to make the choice. He almost is going to do the same thing and save his master Kanan who had just died. But doing that would truly affect the timeline because if yep. he pulled Kanan out of that moment, he and all of his other crewmates would have died. But you can hear all these moments from your past. Um, Yoda, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan. You kind of We've hear them so echoing around. In there. <laughs> yeah. Dave Filoni has insisted that this is not time travel. In fact, that whole thing with Kanan not being able to be pulled out of that moment is kind of his anchor in the, this is not straight up time travel. Mm-hmm. But he also hedges it a little bit. Like, it's also not not time travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, it, I mean, when I first saw this, I was like, this could be a pretty convenient way for Ahsoka to catch up to the Eye of Scion, mm-hmm. is to find a moment in Sabine's sign and just kind of hop pop out. Mm-hmm. But that would be a little like, eh. I don't think the world between worlds would allow that. <laughs> I don't think so either. But so now we have Anakin in the space. So this is this is kind of a whole, I think about it like the Force connects everyone and everything. And this is like the manifestation of that idea Mm -hmm. that everyone and everything is connected in some way so it would make sense that potentially force ghosts would kind of be able to manifest here or possibly another manifest physical manifestation of the force that ahsoka has encountered in the past i think that this could be the brother 
Mm-hmm. From the, the brother, Mortis. the son. Mm-hmm. The son. That's what I meant. Sorry. He's a brotherhood. Brother too. Brotherhood is the books of <laughs> of Anakin and Obi Wan. The son, Ahsoka, during the Mortis arc, kind of assumed the identity of the daughter. So if this is somehow the son trying to mess with her head, I think would be a really cool idea. It would. I think it would be too much lore to drop on people, but I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since Sam Witwer is the voice of the son. <laughs> yeah. In the Clone Wars. And we have seen the daughter in her uh, bird form yes. be in the world between worlds. So we know that the Mortis trio has the most likely probability that all of them could be here in the world between worlds <laughs> like uh-oh yep. it would be really cool because the sun also kills ahsoka in the clone wars causing the daughter to sacrifice herself to bring her back to life yes there's a lot going on guys <laughs> there's so much happening but i love i like i always love the world between worlds i love and i like that we're getting it in conjunction with this dark side magic. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the kind of mysticism elements of the force and we get to explore that. Mm-hmm. It's like serious I, magic. <laughs> yes. But I don't know. I think we'll get a good, uh, my prediction would be we'll get a pretty solid explanation of this, this upcoming week. I mean, yes. mm-hmm. this upcoming episode, episode five is getting theatrical releases. There is none anywhere near me, so I will not be joining. I will not be doing that. Mm-hmm. But okay. everyone has said, if you talk to people who work on the show, they all apparently say that episode five is like the one. It's going to be a Dave Filoni directed episode. Mm-hmm. My one thing I'm a little worried about with it, honestly, is that all of our characters are separated at this point. Are yes. we going to see them together? Because that's one of the one of the best things that we've seen so far it has been like Ahsoka and Sabine, their dynamic together. Yes, I agree. So I'm a little like, are they going to be separate the whole time? Are we going to spend an entire 40 minutes with Ahsoka and Anakin basically doing a bottle episode and not get Sabine? I highly doubt that. But I don't know how I would feel about that. Yeah, I highly doubt that that's the case. Um, But I just want to know, is that really Anakin? I think you also have some other weird, if that really is Anakin not force ghost Anakin, but like Vader or something, mm-hmm. you have other major questions that we have to talk about. Like, how was he able to get in here? The Emperor couldn't break into this place. Nope. Without I don't an think any, man? I don't think any dark side user could get in. I no. really don't think they could. So, I mean, maybe that shoots my, uh, my son theory in the foot, but <laughs> the manifestation I mean, of the dark side. He's like the force though. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how he'd be able to bully his way. <laughs> yeah. But tell me now, I cannot wait for this upcoming episode. My one other prediction, my one other question for next week is, I mean, Hera and them have to follow the ISIN in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They have to. The only Somehow. other the only <laughs> other thing would be that actually getting to this galaxy and back doesn't take that long. Sabine does it all on her own. And then they just mm-hmm. come back with Thrawn. And that's when Hera and Ahsoka meet back up with them. That's definitely possible. But I'm much more like the idea that Chopper is going to lasso a pergil and just have it pull the ghost along with it. Just like, that would be amazing. <laughs> if the pergil brought the ghost see, with them. And you just see Chopper like holding onto the rope with one of his little arms and the other one doing like a <laughs> If anyone could do it, it would be Chopper. Really? I would totally place my money on him to do that. Um, I have a lot of questions from this episode. We've gone over some of them. My main one is what the hell happened to the Wrens? Sabine's family was featured quite heavily in Rebels in the later seasons. Mainly, I'm like, why is Sabine's dad on Mandalore with Ursa, the mother? Because he is an artist. He's not a warrior. Yeah, they all still are warriors. I mean, her dad, come on. He knows how to use a jetpack. Yes, but he's he's not a warrior. Like he's just not I can see that he was there because Cronus, which is their home you know, world, might have been destroyed. Sparta had some warriors. Sparta had artists too. They could still fight. I mean, he probably can, but he's no Ursa Ren. He's not like 
the martial one of the family and it's completely Ursa but I can see why Ursa would want to keep him with her because of all of the crazy shit that was happening with Mandalore during the end of the Imperial era it's just really sad if all of Sabine's family were taken out in one fell swoop and why didn't Ahsoka trust Sabine in this instance was it because she was choosing family over duty possibly possibly how did it lead to their deaths i mean i'm guessing it was during the purge because ursa would have been involved yeah they weren't even based on mandalore no they weren't they're on chronist so i'm guessing their home was destroyed and that's why they're there um will dave filoni torture us with this later probably will we get a flashback is this where we get the flashback to the purge that we've been talking about for three seasons on mandalorian i mean that would be really cool (laughs) and it would be really cool it would be amazing especially since sabine was such a big figure in the rebellion of mandalore and mandalorians against the empire's rule especially i think the wrens totally would have been at the vanguard of that kind of situation along with bo katan with house Kreese. so we don't know we don't know what happened after bo katan got the dark saber from sabine and the wrens pledged loyalty like this is going to be really sad i, I just it's never, a very depressing thing yes. really sad and dave floney you monster you're totally gonna make me cry some more <laughs> Whew. okay that's my question though for this episode i'm sure next episode i am going to be chock full of more as we delve into ahsoka's feelings that she has not processed because the jedi don't have shrinks and on that note i think that's where we're going to leave it for today so thank you all for joining us today you can find us on twix and instagram at yaswpod follow us wherever we're getting your podcasts hit that follow button leave us a five-star review uh you can check out all of our previous episodes on the main star wars films star wars visions bad batch uh you can check out our rebels coverage over on the bohemian geek studies feed check out all the offerings in the forgotten entertainment family over at forgottenentertainment.com And join us next time when we will be taking a look at the next episode of Ahsoka. Until then, make sure you wear your protective gloves when handling the ancient metal ore being powered by dark side fire magic. And keep those episodes streaming. Put on a glove, for God's sake. Bye, everyone. (laughs)